you know there is no temptation that I'm going to go through today that's not common, that's not already cataloged, and God is always faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will always make a way to where you can be successful. Do I always do that? I do not. Do I fail in temptations? I do. But it's not my God's fault. He gave me the resources. He's given me everything I need. That person that really jerks my chain, I don't have to react to that person and give them a piece of my mind. If I remember who my Father is, and I remember that I have the Holy Spirit. See, that changes the way I live. It changes the way I handle life. It changes the way I can minister to people because I've got enough. I love the phrase in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. Talked about God's mercies are new every morning. What does that tell you? You don't have to worry about spending today's stuff because tomorrow it totally gets reset. You say, well, how much did I have? I don't know. I've never been able to outspend God's mercy. And the next day it's always reset, so I don't even know what the, what the count was. Because God is faithful. You see how that begins to impact the way that I can live every day? You see, this doctrine impacts the way I'm going to live. And he's going to talk very specifically in chapters 4, 5, and 6. He's going to talk about how do you get along with someone in your house who's a sinner? My wife lives with a sinner. I'm not talking about Zach. You see, every day, God's mercies and God's grace is sufficient. He's going to talk about how to get along with people in your home. He's going to talk about how to get along with people in your church. Whew. Churches can be quite the spectacle. I mean, the common thing is church business meetings. <laughs> I'm not going to a church business meeting. Let them decide whatever they're going to decide. I'm not sitting in that. What about parents and children and children and parents? What about employers and employees? What about the spiritual battles you're going to go through? And every one of us are going through spiritual battles right now. Unseen to our eye. You see, what you believe, what you truly know, not just things that you've heard, but what you truly know is going to impact what confidence you have to take out your credit card and go, God's good for it. God's good for it. God's good for it. God's good for that too. I cannot overspend God's grace and God's mercy for me today. And we say, amen, preacher, that's great. That's really good stuff. I love to hear that. And we walk out of here and we go, <laughs> I don't think I can afford that. I don't think I can handle that. I can't handle this temptation. That's too much. I'm going to, I just can't help it. I always say that. I always do that. I always, I always. It's because 
we aren't living according to what we genuinely have because we really don't believe it's there. Can it really be that my father is a multi-billionaire? Is it really true that when my dad said go out and get it, he meant it? You say, so should we be on Zillow this afternoon? Should we all be looking for new houses? Is that what you're telling us? Paul, you notice what he said. He's talking about your inner man. Because that's the most important thing. Our bodies are perishing. We care about them. We do our best with them. But they're perishing because God's going to give us a new one. He wants you to remember that you have enough. He wants you to remember that you're never alone. No matter what you're going through, you're never alone. He wants you to remember all he has done and then so that you will be comfortable to be secure and not worried. Look at verse 17. He wants you to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is dwelling in you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, what's interesting here is he's not talking about, he's not praying that they would get saved because we know when a person gets saved, you receive Christ. He comes he comes to dwell with you. He's not talking about the fact of dwelling here. He's talking about the quality of dwelling. He's saying, and these are all progressive. Remember your Father. Remember the Holy Spirit. When you remember those things, you can now live in a house that Christ is comfortable. The quality of him dwelling with you. You know, there are some places where I have stayed where I wasn't necessarily comfortable. You know, when someone says, make yourself at home, and you say, I don't think so. I can't. I can't do it. I remember my brother and I were traveling together in Tennessee, and we were with a group of guys, and we were traveling for a summer. And it happened to be my brother Mark and I were together that night, and we got to the home where we were going to be staying, and they were hosting us. And we knew it was going to be an interesting night when for supper, when they, when they gave us our supper, and we went to drink out of the glass, that when we tilted our glass, there was this stuff on the top of what we were drinking. And so we always kind of tilted to make sure that the, whatever that was on top kind of stayed on top, and we didn't drink that. And when we went to bed that night, and we flipped back the sheets, and we slid into the sheets, and, we, and we, it felt like sandpaper. We knew we weren't the first people that had ever been in those sheets, and probably weren't the second. Now, I was grateful that we had a place to stay, genuinely. And my brother and I have laughed for years about our gratefulness for staying there, but I can tell you this, I was especially grateful I stayed one night. <laughs> That's why I was really grateful. He's talking here. He says that Christ may be at home, may be comfortable in your hearts because of your faith. It's based on his love. You see, because of what God the Father has done for us, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we genuinely can know today that we are loved by God. 
Notice he goes on to say that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. He's saying because of what we know about the Father, it now builds to where we say, well, God's power is unlimited and the Holy Spirit lives within me and he can give me direction and Jesus Christ lives with me and I want to be able to make him comfortable when he lives with me because I love it when he's there. We've just gone through the Christmas season, and you all know that my family got a chance to come. And you know, the, the overriding thing that Cindy and I were most concerned about is we just wanted everybody to have a good time. You as parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, we have, we have four bedrooms. We have four kids. So where did we stay? Not in a bedroom. And you know, it was okay. I was totally happy with this. Why? Because I just wanted to take care of my family. When you know that they're comfortable and they're having a good time, you know, he's saying that we would just have that attitude about the Lord Jesus Christ. We just want him to have a good time. We want him to be comfortable in our lives. And we do that not because he said, you better make Jesus comfortable in your lives. What he says is, he says, remember the incredible wealth of your father. He can give you all that you need to make those adjustments. Remember, you've got the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remember, you've got Jesus Christ dwelling with you. And he says, when you see all those things, you begin to understand how greatly loved you are. You are incredibly loved today. You may not feel that way with people around you, but you need to rest securely in this. You are loved and when he talks about the breadth and the length and the height, he's not trying to give you dimensions. What he's trying to give you is, he says, I want you to understand the vastness of God's love for you. Now, depending on your background, you may have come from a situation where you weren't really loved by your parents. You were made fun of by people, and you would begin to say, that's hard for me to believe. That's the reason why we do doctrine first. Because when you go back and you reread chapter one and you see all that God did for you, you begin to realize, yeah, yeah, he really does. He really is all powerful that he could set up everything the way he did. The Holy Spirit really is living within me. And I really do have all these resources. So I guess I, I, guess I can live the way he said that I can. That, that's too good to believe that I can live this way, but it's the truth. And that's what's so amazing. He talked about with all saints. You look at verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints. This isn't just about me, folks. It's about everyone who's believed in Jesus Christ. So you go, yeah, well, you, you haves, you preachers, you whatever, you church leaders, you whatever you want to say. No, 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 that's not what it was. Because you see, Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. The... the the incredible opportunity that I have to preach is an amazing thing to me. It doesn't make me better than anyone else. It just makes me very grateful that I get a chance to preach. It's that same thing's available to all of you, all of us. Look at verse 19 with me. And to know the love of Christ 
which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ personally. We've been talking about the group, and he just kind of narrows it down, and he says, now, I want you to know God loves you today. I want you to know the resources you have today. I don't want you to walk out of church and go, that was great for the church, but what about moi? God loves you. He takes it personally to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. This is something that you will never understand by book learning. It's only by experience. It's one of those things, have you ever had someone say, if I have to explain it to you, you just don't get it? That's not a snarky kind of response to just say, you know, you're an idiot. What, what he's really saying is, what the person's really saying is, this is something that you can't learn from a book. This is something you only learn from experience. And that's what Paul's saying in this prayer. He says, I'm praying that you would learn by the relationship, not just by book learning. But it goes on. To know the love, to be able to experience, but also to demonstrate the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. How can you get a group of people together who are all from different backgrounds, different family backgrounds. I mean, you even brought a Southerner up here. Not really a Southerner, but a Southerner for a little while. You brought one up here and you put him in the middle of you and we get along. How is that? Because each of us can love each other based on what we have. It's a choice. We choose to love, not that we feel to love. Now, I don't, I don't, I, I think you get the difference here, but let me just kind of give you an illustration, and that is, you know, I feel very much in love with Cindy. Don't tell her. I feel very much in love with Cindy, but I also love her because I choose to love her. See the difference? One is a choice of the will. When I got married and I said I do, and for you young people, this is an important thing to understand. You know, until... Until I said I do, I could choose to date anyone in this world that would be willing to date me. But when I said I do, I made a willful choice. Now, I was so enamored with her. I was so in love with her. But the truth is, you know, some days my feelings come and go. But my choice stays solid. I choose to love. That's the kind of choice that God made for us. It wasn't he looked down and he goes, wow, there's a good looker. No. God said, I choose to love you because I choose to love you. In the church, do you know how we get along together? Do you know how we're going to get along together? Is we choose to love the way God loves. I love you today because I choose to love you. I also love you just because I like being with you. I mean, I, I have fun. You know, there's this emotional side of it, which is cool, but you don't have to then sweat it and go, yeah, but what about the day he doesn't like me so much? Well, if it was all on feelings, that would be true. See, now this is all really important because we're about to get into the practical side of it. He's about to tell us to do things, and we're going to go, whoa, I cannot do that. That's why we didn't start in chapter 4. 
You couldn't do it unless you understood what you have. And now he's praying, as he gets into chapter 4, he's praying, I'm praying that they will put into practice what they know. This next phrase, filled with the fullness of God, that, that's a fascinating phrase. It just means being strengthened with the Spirit and indwelled with Christ and having the abundant love that God has displayed to us, it leads us to the fullness of God. It means to fill completely. If you fill something completely up, then nothing else goes in it. And he said, and I'm praying that you would be filled with the fullness of God so that when other stuff comes, there's no room for anything else in there. When Cindy and I, we, the most incredible thing, our first year of marriage, we traveled for a year. I, I, it was work, but it was just Cindy and me. And because we were traveling all over and didn't really go back to the business for almost nine months, our car was stuffed. They literally took the seats out of our car. Oh, they left the front ones in, okay. But they took the seats out of the car so that they could pack it. Do you know what was so cool? People would say, hey, can I get a ride with you guys? And we'd go, there's just two bucket seats here, sorry. We knew there was always room for just the two. We didn't have to let anybody else in the car with us, so which means because we didn't have a house, that was the place where we could always kind of get our story together and figure out what we were going to do and how we were going to handle the situation. That's what we did. Do you know there's no room for anybody else? Because... There's just two seats, me and Cindy. You know, that's what he's saying here. Because of all you know now about God, he said that you would then, now you're free to be totally filled with God, which means the other stuff doesn't have to come into your life. You guys are constantly going to be confronted with junk. At school, you're constantly confronted with junk. How do you keep that junk from getting into your life? How about the rest of us? How do we keep junk from getting into our lives? And the answer is we keep junk from getting into our lives by being totally, completely filled with the fullness of God. Now, we can be, the word there could also mean, you know, when it talks about um, filled with the fullness of God, it could, the term there would also be true of dominate. If we're dominated by something, road rage. How does that happen? Someone... It's dominated by anger, just like that. And then later, not so much, but at that moment, totally dominated by anger. Well, here he's saying, be totally dominated by God. Let him totally fill you to where now what people see is they just see God in you rather than the anger, the hatred, the whatever in you. And then look at verses 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Here he's talking about, as we pray, we've expressed our dependence on God. We've expressed our needs before God, and now we express our praise of God. What can God do? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. One commentator said, just kind of read it a phrase at a time. Now unto him that is able to do. Kind of let that settle in. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly. Wow. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly 
abundantly. Wow. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. There is nothing that I'm going to ask that is too much. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or, or think. Think about that for a moment. I can't even imagine something that is greater than what God could do. I lost you. I can see it. Mm, we glazed over. It's like, I, I can't get that. The only way we're going to get that is to remember what God's already done. What a great God. We have to think about what we know. We have to say, yes, I, I know that to be true. I've experienced that now, and I've seen that it's true. Why can God do this? Because God's power is in us, and God's power is working in us, and it's God who works through us. God is working through the church, but God works through the individuals of the church. You see, there are local churches, but there are lots of local churches, which means there's, we're all connected in that same thing. We have to be careful how we talk about other churches. We need to make sure we understand the doctrine. Obviously, we can't change doctrine to have good fellowship with someone. But we have to really know, but what is what God has said? And then he tells us how we praise God. How do we praise God? Unto him be glory in the church. Glory has the idea of to give the right opinion of God. You know, when people walk in here, my goal, I hope to help be an example for you to lead the way, but I hope that our church will always be this way. When people walk in the door, they will get the right opinion of God. It's all that matters. Just get the right opinion of God today. What's my God like? I need, I need to give the right opinion of God. The way we act with each other, give the right opinion of God. The way we treat each other, give the right opinion of God. The way we sing, give the right opinion of God. The kind of music we use, give the right opinion of God. Everything we do, give the right opinion of God. Through Jesus Christ, there's not another person by which we can glorify God. We can't say, well, you bring glory to God your way, I'll bring glory to God my way. No, it's all about what's the right opinion of God. And that's the reason why sometimes we, we almost lock horns sometimes with someone. But we always need to have the right attitude as we talk about our God. We don't have the, we don't have the right to be nasty when we're trying to defend God. And notice this last phrase. Throughout all ages, world without end. We praise God for all of the above things, and we praise God because God never ends, and we never lose that opportunity. Do you know everyone's going to live somewhere forever? You're going to live somewhere forever. question is where. Now, we can be afraid of hell, and we ought to be afraid of hell, and we ought to say, I want to do something that gets me out of hell. That's true. But what I want you to see is I want you to see the goodness of God. 
It's not, it's like, go to hell or be with God. Oh, it's a bad choice. Am I going to go to hell or am I going to go be with God? I guess I'll go be with God. And I think sometimes we almost act that way. The reality is, I get to be with God. Yes, I don't want to go to hell. My sin, I deserve to go to hell. But that's not the thing that drives me every day. What drives me every day is I love God. You know, I'm never going to be a part of Israel. wasn't born that way. But that's okay. I will always be part of the church, the bride of Christ, which is all those that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's no second-class citizens. We're all the bride. Paul prayed. He said, I pray that you'd remember the person of the Father. I pray that you'd remember the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd remember the presence of the Son. A couple lessons for us this morning, very quickly here. As a part of God's family, I am part of a larger group. You remember in the Lord's Prayer when he taught him how to pray? The disciples' prayer really is what it was. He was teaching the disciples how to pray, and he said, pray this way, our Father. When we pray, always remember there's other children in the family. As part of God's family, I need the Father. I need time with the Father. I need to remember that I need to be strengthened with might every day because, you see, I can't do this on my own, and nor can you. Don't, don't be disappointed with that. Just understand you got resources. you got the credit card. Pull it out. There's more. There is a person sitting beside you today that you can't see. It's the Holy Spirit. He never leaves you. You know, I'm ashamed to tell you that temptations come and sometimes I don't want to look around. I don't want to see the Holy Spirit. I don't want to see him saying, I got this. Because I just want to go ahead and sin. But I don't have to. See, I, I get to make choices. Can I challenge you with this today? There's more to your spouse than meets the eye. If your spouse has received Christ as their Savior, the way you speak to your spouse, remember you're speaking to the Holy Spirit. I need to be very careful how I use my mouth. I live with believers. I'm so thankful I do. Maybe some of you don't. I understand. But please remember, there's more going on than meets the eye. You know, there's more to your children than meets the eye. There's more to your parents than meets the eye. We need to remember who they are. You know, there's a dimension to each person which needs something they can't get anywhere else but God. I can't meet all of Cindy's needs. I would love to say I can. I can't. Only God can meet those needs. Guys, could I just encourage you, make sure your wife has time to spend time with the Lord. Can't make her, but you could make sure that she has time.
Ladies, help your husbands to where they have time to do that. You can't make them. Try to help your children to where there's time. Help them. You may have to teach them how to have time with God, how to study their Bibles. But let me encourage you. Teach them. to. There's something in all of us that we need that no one else can fill but God. I need to remember that the Christians and the church's resources are incomprehensible today. You know, there is nothing Satan can bring that is more than your resources. Maybe you've really been struggling with an area in your life. Right now, probably you've thought of something. Usually that happens to me because it's what the Holy Spirit has brought to my mind. I didn't say it. You are thinking it. And it's probably not the same thing I'm thinking because the Holy Spirit's going, no, you don't have that problem. you got this issue. And I'm sufficient. I need to totally and fully experience the love of Christ for me. I need to be completely filled with the fullness of God. I need that today to keep other stuff out. And I need to remember today that he has already planned to do more than I want or can even imagine. Can I, can I put to you, you know, God has already planned more for this local church than we've ever thought of or imagined. That's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. I need to remember that my goal is to glorify God, to give the right opinion of God. Wow, what a prayer. What a blessing.